The Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. So I think we're well-versed, Warren Ingram, director at Galileo Capital, contributor to The Money Show, personal financial advisor. We're well-versed with the, the risks and the fears and the worries about running out of money in retirement. We haven't put enough away. Inflation has corroded your money. You've uh, you know, not been able to make ends meet, so you've spent your money. And now there's not enough, and you're now dependent on others. But this idea of dying with too much money is a weird idea. I mean, we, we, we wish we could all have that problem. Um, why does that worry you? It's actually the the, the saddest outcome that, that I see in, in financial planning, where, where people live uh, extremely frugal lives, uh, you, know, you know, for their whole working career, they, they, they sacrifice an incredible amount to make sure that they can provide for their families, that they can build up enough money for their retirement, um, and potentially that they can leave some money behind to their kids. And and that that sounds, you know, like a perfect outcome. But when you meet people in a position like that, very often the sacrifices they've made are, are enormous and, and maybe not financial, but they come at a massive human cost. You know, they, they live very limited lives. Uh, you know, they, they compromise a quality of life for themselves, very often for their families as well. You know, even their children, the very children they're trying to to help over their lifetime. Uh, and and you find that, that uh, when you speak to them later in life, especially, you know, late into retirement, they, they have enormous regret because they know they've now achieved their objective. They, they will have enough money. And uh, when they die, they will leave money behind. But, but they've, they've just got so many things that were undone, so, so many uh, ways they could have helped people uh, during their lifetime that unfortunately has passed now. And, and so it is actually a real thing. You know? And, and uh, when you talk to people in this position, they've got this thing called it's a scarcity mentality where they're just – they're just always afraid that that uh, there won't be enough of of something. They're always afraid that markets won't grow, uh, you know, inflation will run out, or or economies will collapse, the world will end, whatever it is. But but there's enormous fear, and and it's such big fear that often they can't break out of the the behavior of a lifetime of of saving and uh, and and not spending. I I get it, and I just think I understand. Um... If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, by the way, it'd be lovely to hear from you this evening. Warren Ingram is available to take your calls on this and other issues, of course, and just pop a seed into our minds as to uh, what you'd like us to address, too. You could do that via WhatsApp on 072-702-1702. Give us a call or drop us an SMS or tweet me at Bruce Business. I, I look at that and I say, well, that's got to be less bad than the alternative, which is not you know, trying hard. Not being frivolous, being very disciplined, yet still running out of money. And and running out of money surely is more terrifying because the thing we talk about more often than this problem of the regret of not having lived well enough or not having shared enough or not having taken advantage of opportunities in your life for fear of running out of money. Sure. And, and, and you know, the, the, the uh, financial problems uh, of people in our country are enormous. So, so I agree. You know, if you talk about scale, uh, the, the, the scale of, of people who don't have enough, you know, every single day and won't have enough at, at retirement is, is there. Uh, but, but we do need to talk to everybody in our country. And, and there are lots of people who've grown up in our country with, uh, you know, extreme poverty and, and they might well be the, the very first generation to come out of that uh, and and to be earning good money now and and living with this 
almost crushing fear. Uh, and and I know it sounds like uh, you know it's kind of, kind of complaining about uh, about too much rain when you're a farmer. It, the, the, it's not. Um, it's a real problem that a lot of people face. And uh, and you know and and the idea is to say to them, you, you know, you can you can find balance. This is not. Uh, about saying that you know you shouldn't save for retirement or or that you you, you know you you should just be frivolous with your money. It's about saying like everything in life, you know, the the, the best outcomes are are always about balance. It's about you, you know making sure that you do save enough for your own rainy day and and potentially leave behind some money to to your children. But at the same time, while while you are relatively young and and you've got you get the idea that you have got sufficient money uh, especially if you've got adult children it, it's one of those things where if you talk to adult children at the age of 25 or 30 and they, they are children of of financially successful parents the, the, the children might well be working very hard they might have inherited their parents work ethic uh, and potentially some of their attitude to money and and those are those are youngsters that that could do an enormous amount w- w- with a little bit of a of an early inheritance where, where they can set themselves up on a path to financial freedom much more quickly than their parents could ever have done. Uh, but unfortunately, the parents are so afraid uh, either of just discussing this with their with their kids or uh, afraid of running out that, that they don't um, take the chance to actually make a big impact on, the, on their children's lives financially when everybody can benefit. So, so it, 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 I know it always sounds like a crazy uh, a problem, but I can't tell you the number of times I've met people in their late 70s, mid 80s with just massive regret. And, and, and how many times I wish someone had just managed to speak to them earlier in life where, where they could make a change okay. and, and so, a huge impact. Is there a formula? Is there a mechanism that we can use at least to begin this process? Because I realize it's a very, very emotional, emotive and very technical process to assess your level of financial stability and to say, you know what, you're likely, um, you know, you're, you're 60 years old or you're 50 years old or whatever the case is, this is your financial position. This is how much you are likely to require. And let's put a little bit of extra in because we don't want you, you know, uh, you know, if you happen to outlive expectations, you go beyond your 90th birthday for several years and then your health begins to take toll and you need money for, for medical care and all of that sort of stuff, which is, you know, the curse of old age, of course, uh, or older age. Uh, so let's make sure that you're comfortable. But actually, there's there's some left over. So how do we approach this particular quite thorny and difficult topic, Warren? I, I think the, the, there's a fairly basic rule of thumb that that, that, that we could use, uh, and, and that is to, to look at our expenses in a normal year and, and to say, well, you know, if if you if you take everything that you would spend over over a typical year of life and 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 that means you know your normal monthly expenses of groceries and, and medical aid and all of those things plus uh, you know a monthly amount that you would use to spend on holidays you know even if you don't go on holiday every month you know if you go on holiday two or three times a year uh, or, or once a year to, just take that that holiday expense divided by 12 to, to get a monthly amount and then the expenses that you know that might occur less frequently, for for example, replacing a car every three, five, seven years, whatever it is that you choose, and get to get to that uh, you know you know that sort of monthly amount, and and then say right. So, so over over my lifetime, this will be a fairly typical expense in today's values, and and then multiply that by twelve, so you get to a normal year, and and that yearly amount multiply that by twenty five. 
If you really want to be conservative, you can go to 28 or 30, but I, I think 25 is, is perfectly sufficient. And, and that's how much re retirement capital you need to fund your life for the rest of your lifetime. So if you end up with way more than that, uh, you, you know uh, very comfortably that, that you've got excess money and, and you've potentially got money that you can start uh, giving to your children. And I'm, I'm not saying give it all away at once. I'm, you know, I'm saying smaller amounts uh, you know, every few years would make an enormous difference to them. We don't want to spoil the children, though, Warren. You know what kids like today? How do we know they're not going to just waste it? Um, is the, what I'm hearing people say. <laughs> because I've got super good hearing. It's, um, it, yeah, it's, it sounds like it's coming out of your head as well. And 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 I think it's a fair it, it's a fair comment. And I'm not saying that that you 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 necessarily you, you know raise children who who don't have a work ethic and and don't have a saving ethic themselves. It, it's about again, it's about striking balance. It's about understanding your family, uh, understanding your objectives, your wishes. You, you, you know, there, there are lots of people that might say. I don't want to give my kids a lot of money. Uh, I, I don't want them to to kind of become trust fund uh, children. Um, my partner always, uh, my business partner always calls them trustafarians. But, <laughs> uh, but, but potentially, you want to, um, you know, you, you might want to, uh, to to see that some of that money goes to to causes that you care about. You know, so 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 you know, to education or, or wildlife or whatever it is. But but the comment then is do it earlier. And and certainly uh, for for your 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 adult children, and I and I do mean that. I don't I don't think you, you know you, you start giving away big lump sums to, to to you know children at the age of eighteen or younger or twenty one or younger. But potentially, if you're helping them, for example, buy a family home for themselves, that, that that's not spoiling them. That's helping them get started. And and certainly later when when it's time for them to to put their kids through school, you know, that, that's another way you can help uh, very constructively. That that's a pure investment. And I mean, you could, again, we're getting a bit, uh, run the risk of being a bit technical here, but you could, if you want to say, say to your children, okay, um, you know what, education's expensive, I'm going to create a trust fund, and we're going to put money at that trust fund, and that's going to be to educate your kids. Uh, because that's a definable cost, because you want your kids to go to private school, that's fine. There is an equal amount for each child in the family, maybe for, for grandchildren, whatever, if you have, if, and if you choose not to have children, that's fine, but th those that do can get those children educated, um, uh, and perhaps you do it that way. And, and in so doing, I suppose, um, is there less tax complexity in that? Because you stop making big donations to children, more than 100,000 rand a year, you, you start running into tax problems. Is Are, are there smart ways of doing it that way? Yeah, absolutely. I, th I mean, I think, uh, you know, for example, setting up a trust is is one. Um, and I think there there are some smart tax people out there that probably know this better than me. But I, but I think there are some opportunities for grandparents to to, to fund the, the, the cost of education for grandchildren. Uh, in a, in a fairly tax efficient way as well, uh, and and certainly if uh, you, you know if you've got um, adult children who are still financially dependent on you, um, you know funding their education is not is not a problem either, uh, and and you know but I also think about you know we we talk a lot about small business in South Africa about helping you know get small business going, and that that's another you know another route that, that I think parents with money can help their kids if you know if your children are so inclined to start businesses you know starting a business with with them by helping them get, get the capital going and again I'm, I'm not necessarily saying just give it to them you know but but com commercial uh, kind of commercially viable loans 
that, that you helped to underwrite might be one of those things. I, I just think it's uh, th th there's actually a lot you can do once you start to to sit down and talk to them about what they need. And, and how you help them. And I think, you know, having these conversations just as, uh, you know, two parents and not actually talking to adult kids is kind of typical, I, th I think, in South Africa. And, and it's, it's a conversation you should be having as a family and, and then to see what, what is the impact with, and how can you make the biggest impact on your, your adult children? And, and then also, you know, make sure, as you say, that you do it tax effectively because you, you certainly don't want to be in a position where you're paying away massive donations, taxes, uh, you, you know, with, without having um, taken that risk on knowingly. And then be fair about it. Um, ensure that, you know, there's, it, there is equality and, uh, you know, kids are treated in, uh, in the same way uh, across the board as well. Um, and, yeah, I think, I think that's a, a, a wonderful idea, Warren, and this idea, but you can't have this conversation until you are 100% comfortable because you can't be making promises to kids and then going, actually, I might run out of money. Uh, I know I promised you 100. He has 10. Um, because that just breeds bad feeling and bad faith. You've got to have a very, very clear, razor-sharp focus on your own personal finances before you can start even beginning to have these conversations, I would think, because you don't want to be you know, pushed into a corner where you've made a promise or given an indication of a promise, and then suddenly, you know, kids feel like you're backtracking on, on something and they've been banking on it or they've, you know, suddenly grown their ambition because you know, they were anticipating a cash windfall or some assistance somehow. And and equally, if you if you if you are very confident that your 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 children will stop, uh, or, or or really you know t take their foot off the gas in, in terms of their own work ethic and their own attitude to to money, then then setting aside uh, you know larger amounts for for trust funds for future children, future generations, you know your your grandchildren or your grandchildren's grandchildren. Uh, you know, then then that makes more sense because you, you know you don't you certainly don't want to, to to throw good money after bad. You know, and and history is full of those. You know, where, where yeah. massive fortunes are created, uh, and 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 they get blown by the the next generation or two. You know, that that also doesn't make sense to me either. So so it is. It's all about conversation and balance. Quick question from Paul, who's in Kyalami this evening. Your question for Warren, hello, Paul. Good evening, Bruce and Warren. Hello. Uh, a very quick question. You were just talking about the amount of money one should have in a savings pot when you can retire safely, and you spoke about 20 time, 25 times um, an annual budget, let's just say. Can you confirm that that number should be before or after tax? Good it's, question. It's, thank you, Paul. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you, Paul, very much. Please listen on the radio, Warren. Thanks, Paul. Uh, I should point that out. You're right, and, and it's so it's 25 times what what you need to spend on a monthly basis or an annual basis. So it's 25 times what what needs to arrive in your bank account, uh, and what you will be spending in that bank account every month. So if you actually if your cost of living is actually you know 100,000 rand a month, just because I need to do the math simply, then you know times that by 12, and it's it's 1.2 million. So then it would be 25 times the the, the 1.2 million. Uh, and it's after tax money, obviously. Thank you. Um, because, yes, you yeah. will have tax implications and capital gains tax and all sorts of things um, in investment portfolios, uh, depending on how you've structured your finances. So, yes, it's after tax money that you need to be uh, ensured that you have on that one. Uh, a question from Andila. I think it's a two-part question. Um, uh, lots of talk in the recent news recently about a wealth tax and grey listing of South Africa's financial institutions. Should I be worried about either of these? And what should I do about it? Wealth tax first. 
Yeah. Uh, so, so wealth tax. Uh, I mean, I know it's it's getting some news, and 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 you know, one or two sort of ANC heavyweights, you know, kind of expressing their own opinions that this is a you know wealth tax should should be created to fund uh, you know basic income grant or universal basic income or something like that. Uh, and and these are opinions of individuals. It's not the the the, the research by by government, or certainly not the you know the t- treasury saying this is what they're going to implement. It's it's just people it's floating ideas. Of, eh, but it's part of an ANC policy discussion, and the ANC wants um, this to be studied in great detail. Um, and it came throughout the ANC policy conference. So it feels far more real than perhaps it is, Warren. And again, it's one of these th- scary things that comes through because it looks like an easy solution. It's a populist solution. It's a madcap solution. Because, yes, you raise maybe you know a bit of money in the first year, those who haven't managed to hide their wealth away from you yet. Um, uh, and uh, after that, what do you do? Um, the focus has got to be on growth uh, and on opportunity rather than simply milking um, the old cow that, you know, <laughs> whose udder is dry, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, you know, the 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 car is 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 fairly lean at the moment. I, I think the, why I'm not I'm, I'm certainly not in the in the business of of political forecasting, but but for me, why I'm not too concerned about this particular issue is, uh, we we've already seen a reduction in corporate tax. We've already seen an acknowledgement by Treasury that uh, you know South Africans are actually overtaxed, and and when they have the capability to do so, Treasury would like us to to see lower taxes because that is a way to generate growth. So, so your focus on growth, I think, is right, Bruce. And I think that, uh, that there is, is is a fair realization uh, amongst uh, portions of the politicians that, uh, you know, more taxes actually goes against growth. There is a point where too much tax is counterproductive, and we are at that point now, I would argue. And and so rationally, one should actually reduce taxes if you want to promote growth. But but I, I, it's one that we, you know we might need to panic about this um, in in future. But but I think th- this is a bit like nationalising the Reserve Bank or expropriation without compensation. You know, it causes a lot of fear because it's a, a, a discussion. It's something that that needs to be investigated at an ANC level, and that's an important point, not at government level right now. Uh, and and might well just die a quiet death once the investigation is done and an actual hard hard numbers are are shown and, and proper research is done. Yeah, again, just because it's illogical doesn't mean it won't happen, uh, but just because it's being discussed doesn't mean that it will. Uh, all it does is breed deep insecurity, and it's completely illogical. All of these uh, ideas are illogical. They're easy. Uh, or they perce- they're perceived to be easy wins, and they're simply are not, which is why I'm not particularly worried about that one. But what about the grey listing of South Africa's financial institutions? This is imminently more possible and quite scary. I think uh, uh, um, I feel a bit more worried about this. I, I'm, I'm more confident that this is going to happen. Uh, I don't think um, th- th- that we've taken enough action early enough as a country, as a government, uh, to, to, to get what we need to get done by October. Um, and and certainly, you know, uh, I think the parliamentarians, not, not saying at, at cabinet level, but below that, certainly have been extremely lax about this. Um, I, I, by all accounts, uh, you, you know, th- th- these laws have been sitting uh, in, in, in the previous president's, uh, on the previous president's desk for years and, and nothing was done. Uh, and, and so I just don't see that we've got enough time to get all of this sorted out. I do think... Uh, and if you look at the, the the list of countries that have been grey listed, you know there there are some uh, you know rather scary ones. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you don't want to be in the in a category of Cambodia and Haiti and 
you, you know, uh, Mali and Morocco and 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 the like. You know, th- those aren't the, the luminaries of of the of the world's economy, and and so uh, you know we need to get off that list if we get, we are going to go on there. And I think it's going to be about the direction. It's going to be about saying if we get on, how quickly can we get ourselves off that list? Uh, and and so you, you know the laws that might need to be changed relatively quickly um, need to be done, and and we need to get our politicians to take this seriously right from top to bottom. We can't have parliamentary committee saying let's investigate further, which is kind of what they have been saying. You know they, they need to understand this is really serious. The, the, this is something that we need to address and and correct. Uh, you know as a matter of deep urgency. Warren Ingram from Galileo Capital. Thank you, Warren, very much indeed. Andelia, two great questions from you this evening. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, And Warren, for your contribution as always on a Thursday night, thank you. Uh, In a moment, I'll just uh, give you a quick insight as to what's happening after Eyewitness News.